Okay, let's get this thing started. Which Columbo villain have you hated the most? What? Oh, that's your question? Yeah. Um, hmm. I would say the most odious Columbo villain we've seen so far might have been the health club guy. I was I was thinking that you'd answer that because I was just thinking how much I'd agree. He seemed insufferable in every single way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He seemed um, he seemed rude to Columbo, which seems hard. Yeah. I mean, well, he made Columbo work out, which obviously was a punishment that pushed even Columbo too far since uh, he snapped at him. Yeah. Yeah. It's rare that we see that. Um, probably. Definitely not up there would be Skippy. Uh, Skippy. Well, he was a great villain. Yeah, he was. He was a great villain. But he he didn't annoy me. No, no. I mean, he's a very realistic depiction, I think, of a sociopathic politician, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I got uh, six degrees in every situation. Columbo, Columbo villains, Jackie Cooper as a Columbo villain. And who stars in today's movie, Jason? Uh, that's right. We are talking about the um, the greater Skippy multiverse. Yes. And in this new movie, um, I guess we should introduce ourselves. Hello, I am Jason. I'm Laura, noted Columbo and old movie fan. And welcome to Come Back a Star, a movie award 10 round boxing match. Ding, ding. We are watching every Best Picture winner and nominee from 1927 onwards. And this week is episode number 032, The Champ a prequel to one of our previous movies, Skippy. Uh, it is not, actually. He's funny, you all. <laughs> but it does star uh, young uh, Jackie Cooper, like it's Skippy, and, along mm-hmm. with Wallace Beery. And, uh, Who was in The Big House, which is another one that we liked. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, Wallace Beery, he'd um, suffered career setbacks because he'd been a big uh, kind of character actor in silence, and they didn't quite know how to integrate someone like him into sound. But he definitely found his niche right around this time. What type of character did he play in The Silence? Uh, he was a, a frequent uh, Buster Keaton rival, actually. Oh, uh, okay. Kind of played the brutish guy who liked the girl and so, you know, tried to make Buster Keaton's life hell. Um, and I think he, yeah, mostly appeared in comedies. I guess I read that he got his start in, like, uh, by a... <laughs> playing this like burly Swedish maid, like housemaid named Sweetie. So, you know, Wallace Beery with like uh, big golden braids. And I guess it was on the circuit <laughs> that he met, you know, uh, immortal silent actress uh, Gloria Swanson. And uh, oh. they got married, which is just blows my mind. But uh, yeah, so that's the uh, wildly yeah. wonderful career of perfect, Wallace Beery. Perfect, like, prison goon in the big house and fantastic bio dad to Skippy in this new one. Yeah. Although Skippy is called Dink in this one. He is called Dink in this one. And, uh, and we see Skippy slash Dink later on in a Columbo episode, which we've decided is all part of the same universe. Yeah. It's sort of a tragic tale of a young boy loves his father, but then, you know, ends up taken in by these rich people and he still tries to hold on to his, you know, Humble background, but eventually falling into a political career leads to inner corruption and inner uh, demons. And then eventually to the murder of his best friend, Sookie. That's just, everyone, we're all lying to you. This is not true. 
<laughs> oh, in my head canon, it 100% is. Why don't we write our epic fan fiction novel series about oh, Skippy? that's going to be great. I wonder how well that will sell. Probably not at all. Not at all. Uh- <laughs> A select few will love it, though. Okay, so how we handle this podcast is we're going to go through kind of a summary of the plot of the movie, The Champ. And after that, we are going to rate the movie on several different categories, including acting, writing, cinematography, and overall. And then we're going to give the movie a chance for some bonus points with some bonus rounds. And with all that out of the way, shall we begin our summary here? Let's go right into The Champ. King Vidor, which is a fantastic name, by the way. Uh, yeah, he uh, King Vidor did, was a pretty big director back in the day. Um, so I was pretty surprised to find out he directed this, but there you go. Yeah, and I would go by my entire name wherever I went. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, here it is. I don't know. I wonder if that was his real name. I should look that up at some point. King Vidor's uh, 1931 <laughs> The Champ starts in the back roads near Tijuana. With former world heavyweight champion Andy, the champ, Purcell, played by Wallace Beery, running and training for a comeback. Following him on his run is Jackie Cooper's Dink, the champ's devoted nine-year-old son. Promoters from Los Angeles are visiting that evening, and champ tells Dink that he's going to be a sure success and that he'll buy his son a, a horse with his winnings. Yet when the time comes, Dink and his friends, including his best friend, Jonah, played by Jesse Scott, find Champ in a saloon succumbing to his principal vice, alcohol. Dink and Jonah do their best to sober him up to get him to their apartment where the promoters have been waiting for over an hour. They dismiss Champ as a cockeyed and leave, which deeply hurts Dink. Cockeyed, of course, being slang back then for, you know, super drunk. And, uh, yeah, I think we first get our glimpse of what a just masterful little actor Cooper was when they're the promoters are kind of snickering over uh champ and saying these things and Cooper just has this perfect little look on his face of just like this suppressed like kind of just fury and disappointment mm-hmm. and uh yeah right away he and Beery just have really great chemistry as well yeah so. yeah I wonder how how well they got along on set oh not at all I have a whole <laughs> How did I guess that? Uh, Beery, unfortunately, because you really learned to love him in this, he was a jerk. Like, Cooper said that he treated him off screen like an unwanted dog. Like, he just, because he was very insecure, I guess, and did not want uh, some little punk kid upstaging him. It's like, that's that's cool, man. That's, that's cool. healthy. That's cool to have a rivalry going on with a nine-year-old. Oh, God. I I really need to read uh, Jackie Cooper's autobiography, which is called Please Don't Shoot My Dog. And, oh, no. Yep. And uh, apparently, yeah, he just really spoke out against child acting in general in his older years, kept his kids from doing it. So it's like this uh, probably wasn't just the best environment for a kid to work in. I'm yeah. Guessing. Yeah. Although it, it apparently worked for movies. It worked for the movies because Cooper was great. And yeah. uh, speaking of environments, you know, they're living in this cramped little room above a, like a restaurant and all of that. And uh, you get the feeling that uh, Dink is just also, you know, uh, Beery's or the champ's uh, kind of uh, caretaker. Right. He undresses him and tucks him in and everything. So, I mean... Dink makes sure to get Champ in bed and clean up before cuddling with him in their one bed in their one room 
above a Greek restaurant, and the next morning, a hungover champ overhears Dink mumble in his sleep about his father's promise to buy him a horse. And I think, you know, it's very clear that for all that champ is a pretty self-centered, you know, emotionally stunted character, probably brain damaged from all the fights he's been in. He really, really does love his son. And yeah. he, the son really, really loves him. So Ashe, he, he really yeah. does want to be the champ to the kid. He does. He does. And it's kind of the only thing that keeps him going and trying. You get the feeling. Otherwise, he'd probably literally be in the gutter right now. Uh, so ashamed. Champ heads out to indulge in his other vice, gambling. This time it works out for him, and with his winning, he buys Dink a spiffy new hat, which is way too big for him, but it is real spiffy. Well, how would you describe it? Is it like a fedora? It's a it's a Stetson cowboy hat. Stetson cowboy hat. There we go. With a real felt. It was, it was a gorgeous hat. And also a horse, an actual horse. Ecstatic, Dink names him Little Champ after his father and is determined to have him entered in a race. And so we next see the, the race in question. I don't know how much time has passed. Where a retrained little champ is entered. Next to his stall is a horse owned by wealthy couple Linda and Tony. Played by Irene Rich and Hale Hamilton, respectively. They are both charmed by Dink's confidence in little champ. And they put some money on the horse to indulge Dink. However, Tony runs into champ and they share a few terse words. The two know each other. And are not exactly on friendly terms. <laughs> yeah, it's tense, but um, I, this is one thing that I've mentioned in our conversations after the movie is that I really like how in this movie, no one's awful. No, no. It's one of those things where the principal enemy is Champ, who is the biggest enemy to himself. Yeah, exactly. And um, you, you have to love Champ. He's not scary or mean or bad it's just that he has these vices that he has to struggle with yeah and i mean it's it's true i think for you know most people that we have like our indulgences that we shouldn't go into but most of us or a great portion of us are able to you know still take control of our own lives but a lot of people just you know aren't because of sometimes external circumstances or whatnot and it doesn't make someone bad or weak it's just yeah, and yeah. especially given um, the fact that this is in the 30s, uh, yeah, it's great that they don't kind of like sit there and say, like, isn't he a bad person for having these vices? It's it's, it's, it's more. Yeah, it doesn't take the easy way out of uh, uh, nothing is, you know, black and white, moral, mm-hmm. immoral. Uh, he definitely feels shame about it, but oh, the yeah. movie itself, I feel, is not judgmental. As much as I would expect it to be at that time. I mean, you know, objectively, it is a terrible environment to raise a child in. Right. But then you see the actual child and the father and you're like, well, it's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but it's better than if they were separated. Even even the dad's uh, the champ's friends are not bad. No, they're 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 they're, harmless goons. They're enablers. um, Oh, yes. But. But uh, they're nice to to Dink and and seem to be genuinely friendly with uh, with the champ. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get the sense that they're a little bit of lost souls themselves, probably. Right. No one's no one's going to the champ and saying like, hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to like keep on gambling? Like nothing. No, it's all champ. I mean, he he knows there's no one to blame for his circumstances but himself. 
So. Which is, I don't know, it, it was it was a nice dynamic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so during this race, Little Champ takes the lead until he stumbles and falls just at the last moment. Champ comforts its son when Dink hysterically thinks that Little Champ is dead, and both are relieved when the horse gets back on its feet unharmed. From the stands, Linda sees Champ with Dink and is shocked, asking Tony, could Dink be dot dot dot, dot question mark? <gasps> After the race, Tony corners Champ and asks if Dink is Linda's son. <gasps> Champ answers sarcastically, as I recall, she had something to do with it. It's revealed that Linda is Champ's ex-wife. She married him at the height of his fame only to find that they were too different to make it and they split up when Dink was a baby. Champ on custody and Linda hasn't been hasn't seen them since. Tony convinces Champ to send Dink over to meet Linda at their hotel the next day by paying him $100. And it's one of those scenes again that really reveals a lot in Champ's character because at first it's like no no I'm not going to let him go over there. She didn't want anything to do with us, which you know, good point. I'd be bitter too. Mm-hmm. And uh then Tony's like I'll pay 100 bucks and he and you know so Champ reluctantly agrees but is like you know, tells Tony, like, you know, a man hard up in cash will do things that he wouldn't do ordinarily. So he, like, he knows just enough to be ashamed of himself, which is in its own way a shame. Because it's like, if he was just a little less shameless, he'd probably have a lot more fun. But then he probably <laughs> wouldn't be as good a person. It's tough. Right, right, right. And even though you have, like, this rich man showing up and, like, paying this guy to borrow his son for an hour... Um, <laughs> it Tony is this is something that I kept bringing up to you as well it's like I kind of like Tony yeah he's not he's not mean towards towards the champ he's not like oh look at yourself like right you, you piece of garbage at one point he does call him a bad father which is you know a deep stab but, you but know, he's angry at that point. He's angry and and also kind of right. And also kind of right. I mean, by all traditional standards, yes, Champ is a bad father, bringing up Dink in a bad way. But they love each other and like hanging out. Yeah, that's the thing. It's <laughs> like he's he's not a good father, but he's a loving father. He's a loving father, right? And it's like. You could have a father who really provides for you, gives you all your material needs, but is a real jackass to you. And frankly, I would rather have fun, Dad. You know, it's like. Well, yeah, he doesn't even have to go to school. He doesn't. It's a very, it's a, yeah, it's a movie that really makes you, that, you know, through the charm of the actors and everything really makes you kind of go, I know I shouldn't be rooting for this guy, but. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So without knowing Linda's true identity, Dink goes to meet with her while also running into his little half-sister, Mary Lou. It's This movie, I like, takes its time with little character bits. Um, first, uh, when uh, uh, Champ, uh, you know, parks in front of, you know, the fancy hotel villa or whatever it is, you know, he like, you know, makes sure that Dink looks his best and... Uh, even like, you know, washes behind his ears roughly, which annoys uh, uh, Dink. And then there's a whole thing where Dink is waiting on the uh, little veranda because uh, Champ's uh, goon slash friend Sponge is uh, in there negotiating about, you know, getting the money. 
And so we just kind of follow Dan because he look as he like climbs the roof and uh, yells hi to Champ. And Champ's like, get down from there. And uh, then, <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then little Mary Lou, dressed all up like a little female Lord Fauntleroy, kind of skips out and is a typical uh, kind of stereotype little girl. Like, do you like fairy tales? And he's like, no, I like spitting. And uh, it's a cute little moment. And I think just kind of a uh, little uh, showcase for uh, uh, Jackie Cooper. And uh, I'll always take a little showcase for Jackie Cooper. He's a great kid. I wonder if they had to, like, help, you know, Jackie Cooper train on spitting. Because he spits a lot in this movie. He does. Yeah. Whenever his father, like, uh, is about to gamble, he has a son, like, spit on a coin. Again, not great parenting, but at least, you know, he's. He's involved with his son. <laughs> he he shares interests with he his son. He shares interests with his son. It's great. So he finally goes into, you know, the uh, the hotel and sees Linda. And, you know, she reveals who she is. And he's more per- perplexed than moved. It's interesting and makes sense. Because, you know, she's she comes on pretty hard like, oh, you're my son. I, I love you. And he's like, uh, where have you been? Yeah, pretty much. At first, she, she asks, and this is probably my favorite bit in the movie. Um, do you know uh, who your mother is? Do you know what happened to your mother or something like that? And she's like, oh yeah, she died before I was born. I love that. It takes a second. And it's like, <laughs> and um, you know, so he asks what's happened. She's like, well, your father and I had a disagreement. And so now I'm married to Tony. And he's like, oh, so I guess you're not my mother anymore. And like, doesn't say it like meanly. Just like man, yeah. in fact, and I think that's probably what hurts her the most is that he just does not have like this emotional reaction to her at this point. It's a lot to suddenly just dump on this nine-year-old kid's lap. It's like, right. hey, I thought your mom was dead, but no, nah, it's me. I just left when you were a baby. It's like I'd be, I'd be pretty suspect too. Like, okay, you get the idea also from this exchange that, um, that. Little Dink is probably a little bit more streetwise yeah. than your average kid. So he's like, I know a con. Yeah. It's kind of the, the sense that I got from it. Yeah, Even though it's, it's, not a, it's not a con and not a con that someone would actually play. But he's not like this instantly trusting kid. No, no. he's uh, He's got a healthy amount of skepticism, which I think is actually probably good in this situation. Yeah, a healthy, adorable amount of skepticism. I mean, when you look at little Mary Lou and all her duds, she's probably a little too sheltered. Mm-hmm. And it's like there ha- there should be a balance, I think. Have one streetwise parent, one super sheltering parent, and you'll have someone who's, um, I'm sure, totally, perfectly well balanced. Oh, yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, Linda and Champ never should have split up. Um, so after he leaves, Linda, you know, pleads with Tony to convince Champ to let them take care of Dick. I can't have him in that environment. Oh, and there is this other cute little scene that I've got to point out that... Uh, when Dink leaves and goes out on the veranda again, uh, Tony's out there with Mary Lou and Sponge is in a chair reading fairy tales to uh, Mary Lou. I know. <laughs> it's, it's just a funny scene. I don't know why. This movie's good with little details like that. <laughs> Sponge. I, I, I like Sponge. I like Sponge. Again, we get a character whose principal trait is how funny it is that he kind of stutters. Which I'm like, why, 30s? Why were you so into this weird kind of ableist running gag but no he's he's a he's a good he's a good egg he's a good character there's a lot even the side characters felt like 
characters. They did. Everyone feels very lived in. I love a movie that begins with just, there's no like sit down explanation of this is our relationship. They just go mm-hmm. right into it. And you can feel that camaraderie. Um, so later at a gambling hall, uh, Tony comes in and finds Dink asleep on a table as Champ plays at dice. And uh, so this is when he upbraids Champ for his poor parenting. And yeah, you know, you walk into a gambling hall and you see a kid passed out on the table while his father gambles. It's not a great look. No, it, it really it, isn't. It's not a great look. I mean, Dink is okay. He's he's fine. He's, he's fine. That's the thing. It's like, you don't know the whole story. So he upbraids Champ for his poor parenting. And, you know, Champ gets mad and is like, get out of here before... You know, because, you know, God bless Tony, but Champ could lay him flat. Oh, yeah. Tony's um, fully aware. But again, that, you know, shows some kind of restraint in Champ that he knows not to do that. So instead tells him to get out. Mm-hmm. However, later that not- night, Champ loses little Champ while gambling. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, gee, can't believe I did that. And so once again, ashamed, grows determined to get the b- money to buy him back. This determination only grows the next days when he sees Dink's despair when Little Champ is taken away. And that, you know, is obviously not great. And it seems like this always happens, kind of thing happens when Dink is like really proud and showing things off to his friends only to like have, Mm -hmm. it's very much like, oh man, Dink, this is hard, kiddo. Yeah, he is constantly followed by a, like, gaggle of friends. Yeah, there was obviously with Jackie Cooper always a kind of our gang situation mm-hmm. uh, that I find really fun because he's he's a natural little leader. And um, and I think we should take a, just a brief moment to talk about, about Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. God, I love I, Jonah. I tensed up a little bit when I saw this this young black man playing uh, yeah p- playing in, in the uh picture from the 1930s since we've had some bad experience uh, oh, yes. with that earlier but they gave this actor a full character like he's not he's not just capering around which is the disgusting display that we saw in Cimarron right he you get the f- sense that both that he and Dink are are friends they get along with each other they do everything with each other and he's there comforting dink i mean dink is clearly like the main character and everything like that but um it was refreshing it was refreshing <laughs> and i'm I, you know i'm sure there are always going to be some problematic elements in that you know he's there to be the white boy's faithful best friend i mean that's that's i'm sure a stereotype of its own but right at least they give him I guess dignity. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's and Jesse Scott is adorable little boy and just does a really good job. And I think it's just, you know, there was some attempts at progressiveness mm-hmm. around this time. And it again, you gotta wonder if the dang Hayes Code had something to do with the fact we. I mean, it might have been a little pushing the envelope. We don't. We don't see. I feel like in the Hayes Code, we don't see so much like. Two two boys of of different races hugging each other no. and and comforting each other, which no. is which was sweet. Yeah, especially because I mean, it, yeah. it felt real. Like that's how kids look after each other, right? And it's sad because it's just the Hayes Code was so obsessed with keeping everything inoffensive to the point where they didn't obviously want to offend racists. So I feel feel like any attempt at building 
you know, African-American actors into actual playing actual full characters was put on hold during the Hays Code. So as just not to step on anyone's toes. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's barf. (laughs) It's barf. So Champ has no choice but to go to Linda for the money, you know, which, you know, is good of him because obviously that's hard for him. But, you know, he he knows that he screwed up big time losing his son, his horse. So he, you know, eats grill, goes to Linda for the money, which she gives him. But she also uses it as an excuse to beg him to ask Dink if he'd rather live with her. And so Chim- Champ reluctantly agrees to ask him. I do wish we'd gotten like more of a sense, like more of a relationship between Champ and Linda. since You know, they're they were husband and wife. Right. I'd kind of like to know, like, see what drew them to each other because they are the most different people on the planet. Yeah, you get the sense that she was probably a little bit more wild and, and young. Yeah, probably in, wild in and young. And it's like Tony says, you know, you were like the heavyweight champion of the world. And so she was dazzled by your fame. And uh, he's like, yeah, but I wasn't in her class. And I'm sure that was the case. But it would have been nice to kind of see like what first drew them to each other and maybe keep that like, Maybe yeah. a little spark that, you know, she's still maybe a little like has a soft spot for him or something. And he has a soft spot for her. But really, I mean, the central relationship is between Champ yeah. and Dink. So they probably didn't have a lot of time for that. But And again, I was surprised by how good these people were to each other, where she doesn't say, give me this child. If I give you this money, you have to give me the child. She didn't say that. You bore. Give me my child. And she didn't he didn't go shut up, slut or anything. It is yeah, just- he... He's the one who comes up with the well. Is is he? Is he the one that comes up with the idea of act, asking Dink? I don't think that he is. No, it's Linda. I think Linda's like a Dink. Uh, no, like she's like I. I know Dink well enough now. To know that he's a pretty smart kid. He knows what he wants. Why don't you ask him? So uh, yeah, which is I mean, it's a little bit weird <laughs> if if divorced parents are like, well, who do you love the best? It happens, but it was, though. But it wasn't like that. It was just kind of like, well, let's just ask the kid if he wants to come. And I think she she says, like, at least, like, you know, some months out of the year, let him come right. stay with us. You know, let us send him to school kind of thing. So, yeah. She's trying to have a functional ex-spouse relationship with I, the champ, which I, I can, thought was yeah. just like, Wow. If only more people were like that now. If only now. more people were like that now, it'd be a much less stressful place for children, especially. <laughs> right. Okay, so. Uh, but, you know, the champ. The champ uh, agrees to this, but is also willing because he loves his son and doesn't want him to go. He kind of rigs the game a little he bit. He does. He does. With some of the money Linda gave him, Champ treats Dink and himself to a lavish dinner at the restaurant um, where he crouches or he. Yeah, he crouches Linda's question in unappealing terms, such as you don't want to live somewhere where you have to wash yourself four times a day, do you? <laughs> you don't want to go to military school, do you? Like. It's and and like, even then, it's kind of like you can see how Dink is not just a follower either. When, yeah. he, when he pitches these things, Dink is like, well, what's military school? Explain that to me. Right, right. God, yeah. Dink is such a great character. Yeah, it's almost like 
he's raised a kid that is too streetwise. Too to, streetwise. So he can't he can't pull one over on his own kid. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I created a, this this monster who's now stronger than I am. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so to all of these, Dink replies firmly in the negative, which satisfies Champ. And after he gets, you know, after he gets this very the, like biased, biased uh, <laughs> let's say, <laughs> uh, view of what it would be like to live with his mother, he, you know, he agrees with the Champ. When the owner of the gambling hall shows up with Little Champ, Dink is ecstatic uh, and runs off to show his horse off again to his friends. Again, always a bad sign when he gets the whole gang together. Like, gee, let's let's uh, check out this thing. I'm really proud to show you. It's like, oh, yeah, it's poison. Uh, however, Champ is slow to give the man the money because he's drunker and wanted to gamble again. Oh, Champ. Oh, Champ. Champ, Champ, Champ. After proudly showing off Little Champ to his friends. Dink and the others eagerly, eagerly run after a police wagon to the station. And there, in front of all his friends, Dink is mortified to see that it's Champ and one of his friends and trainers who've been brought in for fighting and drunkenness. The next morning in jail, Champ is full of self-loathing, because guess what? He's lost little Champ again. So he decides Dink should live with his mother and acts cold to Dink when the boy arrives with some food for his father. He tells Dink he's sick of feeding him and having him hang around. And the boy uh, tearfully promises not to eat so much and not to hang around so much. And, uh, you know, he's so sad and he's crying. He's being so sweet that Champ loses it and hits him through the bars. Dink's heartbroken and so agrees to go live with his mother. After he leaves, Champ, in despair over striking his kid and losing him, punches the wall over and over again. It's pretty pretty unsettling scene yeah it's um and again this being the 30s it's kind of refreshing to see this dad get torn up as he should over like striking at his kid through the bars he doesn't actually like plant a punch on his kid no it's more like a really sharp bop to the nose through some bars like i doubt you know most parents back then would have even considered that like uh, abuse but it, it does speak to like the core goodness in champ that it bothers him that he did that and of course you know he's also deeply in despair because you no know, yeah dink's gone yeah he loves the kid yeah kadinkus i love that he has like little goofy nicknames for his son yes it's like it feels so real okay so on the train back to linda and tony's home Dink is having a hard time adjusting to his new lifestyle and resists Linda's efforts to dress him and tuck him in. Yeah, poor Linda. He's not giving her an inch. Yeah. He uh, pretends to go to sleep and sneaks off the train and heads back to the champ. Which, how the heck did he do that? We did not, we see him like sneak out of his room and then we see him at champs and it's like, how did this kid just freaking jump off the train? Like what? How? How did he do this? Huh? Dink has uh, powers that I'm just a little uncomfortable with, frankly. Um, Yeah, I guess he just used street smarts to get back. Street smarts. Just kind of said like, golly, mister, could I take the train back to Tijuana? <laughs> sure, kid. Uh, yeah, so somehow he gets back. Um, uh, the champ, meanwhile, is depressed in bed and uncaring that there are more promoters coming to see him. Yeah, he's down. He's very down. 
However, his mood is immediately lifted when Dink enters and promises Dink he's going to be on top again and win back little champ. That's always that's always the goal. That's always the promise. No more boozing, no more gambling. And I'm going to get this horse back. Got to get this horse back. Darn it. It really is like, uh, you know, not to denigrate champ here, but it's like watching like a sad dog who's like just kind of lying around really sad. And here's, you know, they're they're human come home and is like immediately a brand new dog, like jumping off the walls, really happy. That's basically what happens. With Champ, when like, because he's just lying there, just in bed, like, I don't care about anything. Then Dink comes in, he's on his feet, and he's messing around, just really so ecstatic. It's pretty heartwarming for all that it's real, real sappy. Um, However, this time, Champ does indeed follow through, no longer drinking and gambling. He prepares to fight the heavyweight Mexican champion. However, when Dink and Jonah observe Champ's opponent, Dink realizes the man far outpaces his father. That's another example of how great Jonah is because the other friends are watching too and they're being just little boys like, ha ha, your dad's going to freaking eat it. And meanwhile, Jonah's like, well, I don't think that other guy's footwork. That's nothing like the champs. Like, Jonah, you're a good one. Yeah. Um, So concerned for champ safety, Dink tries to talk his father out of it, insisting he liked it better when his father drank and gambled. Uh, Champ dismisses his son's concerns and... Even the doctors, who says Champ's heart isn't strong enough for the fight. Before Champ enters the ring, Tony comes in, but tells Champ not to worry about Linda and him trying to take away Dink. They realize that's a futile mission and only wish to ch- wish Champ luck. Again, decent folks. They mean it. Yeah, like an amazingly functional... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, stepdad is cool. Yeah. Uh, stepdad is not a jerk to dad and... Everyone is kind of an adult together, even if they get on each other's nerves. I mean, really, it takes decent people like them to get through something like the Depression back then. So, I mean, good on them. Yeah. It's not something that you always see in movies. No. It's not dramatic enough. No. I Except mean, this, for in this case, it worked. I mean, this movie's been accused by a lot of critics for being, you know, kind of melodramatic and sappy. But I'm like, at least it's all between good characters who don't create unnecessary drama. They feel real. And if you think that that's sappy, then there's something deeply wrong with you. Yeah. You just you aren't hanging around the right people. (laughs) I think it's just a lot of the people, the critics who've looked at this since have come from kind of more cynical ages. Like Mm -hmm. and uh, now that we are in the 20s again, I think we're all ready for a little bit of positivity. So, (laughs) yeah, I I would say so. I think that's a that's a correct assessment of. Of the critics and and this movie. Yeah. So the fight is a tense one with the champ repeatedly getting knocked down. Dink even tries throwing in the towel, but his father stops him, determined to go on. With one last burst of energy, the champ is able to knock his opponent out for 10, winning the match. The crowd goes wild and escorts the proud father and, and son outside of the ring, where little champ is waiting. Just in in the wings. Just in the wings. I mean, it's kind of outside the whole building, I guess. So Champ happily watches his son run over to the horse, but then Champ's heart fails him and he collapses. Oh, foreshadowing, you strike again. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We we had to pause the movie to have dinner, and it was about five minutes till the end, and we were both kind of like, Oh, God. Oh, he's going (laughs) to die. He's going to die, isn't he? He regains consciousness and is laid on a table, 
where the doctor examines him but shakes his head. It's no use. Dink rushes into his father's side, frantic, where the doctor um, tells him, uh, no, it's not the doctor, it's um, the champ, excuse me, where champ tells him to keep his chin up and smile for him. Dink does. Dink is inconsolable. Not even Jonah and Tony can comfort him. He just wants champ. Champ's dead. And he um, he kind of like kind of has a meltdown over it. Yeah, understandably, understandably. And just kind of walks around the room saying, "I want champ. I want, I want the champ." champ. And uh, yeah, it's like Sponge tries to comfort him. So and so tries to comfort him. Yeah. Uh, eventually, when uh, Linda enters, Dink calls for her calls for uh, for his mother and calls her mother for the first time and runs sobbing into her arms. He uh, is carried away by Linda in the film ends. So, you know, it, I mean, at this last scene, maybe is a little bit awkwardly and heavy handedly staged with like where it's building to, you know, uh, you know. Tony hugs him and he's a little more reactive to that. Like, oh, hi, Tony. I just want the champ. Leaves him and then Jonah hugs him and he's like, oh, Jonah, thanks. I just want the champ. But it takes Linda coming in for him to finally like kind of emotionally connect to her as mother because. Yeah, she is the only family he has left and that's grim, but I mean, I'm glad it's Linda and Tony. Yeah, they're good folks. They're good eggs. Okay, and that is the movie review. Shall we go into rating this? Uh, yeah, a little trivia. Like I said, Wallace Fury was a jerk. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he did win Best Actor for this, but only because he made a pest of himself. Uh, he found out that Frederick March for, I'm guessing, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde won. Because, you know, they all knew back then people knew like weeks before the actual ceremony who won. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, you know, Beery got really mad, like went to the head of the studio and basically talked him into giving him more votes. So it was a tie. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it was like the first tie. Uh, best actor, Frederick March and Wallace Beery for this. Um, but let's see what other good trivia was there that I read. I mean, mostly just <laughs> what a human disaster Beery was. Um, uh, Gloria Swanson once said uh, that, uh, oh, yes, he was invited to all the great Hollywood homes once. You find that, like, yeah, nobody really liked Peary. He could be a mean drunk. Um, Oh, so he's kind of playing to his own type. Yeah, and actually the movie was going to end on a much darker note where uh, Champ, you know, dies, but after having lost the match. So it's so and apparently preview audiences were pretty pissed. So Mm. uh, they changed it so that he at least wins before he goes down. Apparently the audience loved that. Yeah, I um, had a yeah. theory um, while we were watching it and uh, looking back, that was probably a little bit too convoluted. But, you know, so Tony and Linda show up for the match and the match is for 20 grand. And so the champ is like, yeah, I'm going to win this 20 grand. I'm going to get everything back. And my theory was that Tony bet against him. Yeah. Just so to- just so Dink wouldn't lose either way. I guess. You know, as good people as they are, though, $20,000 is still a lot of freaking money. And just yeah. on, you know, the fact that he did win, that would have been they'd have plus $20,000. So I can understand why logistically that wouldn't have worked out. But it would have been nice, a nice little ending, you know, if they had gone the route of Champ losing the match to say, it's OK, he's still going to be taken care of. So, yeah. No. So ba- 
maybe even Tony profiteered off, off of his rival's death. Well, you know, uh, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I mean, sure, it's, you know, I just, it's sappy, sure, melodramatic at times, sure. But at the same time, what's wrong with that, you know? They do it well. Okay, let's start rating this. Okay. Um, how did we feel about the acting acting category? I'm going to give it a 10. I think. 10? Yeah, I'm going to give it a full 10. Everyone was great. Irene Rich as Linda, I thought was really good. I mean, I, I do wish we'd maybe gotten to know her a little bit more. But I feel like that we we do still feel like we know her. We know she's a decent lady. Um, and uh, that she gets along great with kids because she's very kind to both. Uh, even before knowing that Dink is her son. She's really pally with him and Jonah. And uh, yeah, I think Beery and especially knowing that Beery and Cooper didn't get along. I think that makes it even more impressive that they uh, played had, so well. together. They had great chemistry. You get the sense that, you know, probably because Champ has been knocked around so much and self-medicated with booze, that he's perhaps a little mentally and emotionally stunted. And so you get the sense that he's about on the same wavelength as his son. And that because yeah. of that, Dink has probably had to grow up faster than he should have. But and Cooper sells that he's a precocious little kid, but without being like, he's not a saccharine child actor. You know, he's not right. bilking anything. He's just that good. Let me see. I'm debating between nine and ten, and I don't know what I'm going to take points off for. So. um. It is melodramatic, but it's not melodramatic because of the acting. No. In fact, I mean, it's saved by the acting because the acting is so unglamorous, I guess, mm -hmm. that, you know, if it had been a bunch of hand wringing, um, it, it just it would have fallen flat. I think I'm also going to give it a 10. OK, you've, you've convinced me, Hooray. which gives it a total of 20 coming out of the acting round. OK, champ, you're. You're going to be on top again, champ. All right. So how do we feel about the writing writing category here? Uh, the writing I will give. I think I'll give it an eight because, um, yeah, you know, some of it's a little clunky and awkward. But for the most part, I feel like it does such a good job of setting up the relationships without saying like we are a father and son and we share a close but troubled relationship like you just it doesn't have to do that you just see it and that's good writing to not have to establish things so literally i guess i am going to agree with you and give it an eight as well because i felt like yeah there there is a big plot gap of how did he get back to tijuana from right a train in san francisco i think is what it was station they announced that they were arriving at yeah it's like um, he arrives back like looking you know pretty bedraggled and you're like what has this kid gone through but again that's probably a testament to the acting that you know you believe they did that right it's like oh yeah this little kid world world wise enough to uh to know how to do that <laughs> it gives you the chills from a modern perspective but you know what dink does what dink does it's true Okay. Um, our next category is cinematography. Um, yeah, that's again one of those things where I mean, it, it was good, it was serviceable, but I didn't really notice any. It's not a movie full of artsy shots, um, right? You know, impressive, I guess, shots of uh, him scaling the roof. It's like, it's like, 
I can't believe there were no nets or safety or any stunt. They actually had that little kid climb roofs. That was yeah. the 30s. Um, and testament to uh, to Jackie Cooper, who like does it with like the blase attitude that you would expect from from a, a dink. I almost called him Skippy again. But, <laughs> <a> character. <laughs> and just like happily waving to his dad while atop a roof. Well, atop of a roof. And his dad isn't like scared for him or anything. Just like get down from there. So, I mean, so that's, you know, I guess impressive camera work. So, I mean, but nothing that really blows my mind. So I guess I'll give it a six. Six. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I would. I would give it a six. It um. Perfectly it was, it serviceable. Was a, it was above average, but yeah. you know, the, I don't think they they did anything in particular. I mean, the the story is really driven by by the writing and the acting. By the writing and the acting, yeah. That's and that's perfectly a okay. Okay. No impressive crotch shots like uh, in Five Star Five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, overall, how well do we think the acting, writing, cinematography work together to create an overall product? I think I will go for an eight. For an eight. Okay. An eight. Um, I don't know why I'm taking two points off, frankly. Maybe it'd be better to give it a nine, but I think I'll stick with eight. Um, just because I can see where some of the criticism of, uh, you know, like the last scene was a little clumsily shot uh, and, you know, kind of hammered over their head. He needs his mother. Um, but no, I mean, overall, you're you're left with the feeling like that these were real people mm-hmm. and uh, they all really did their jobs really well. And, you know, a bit of a tearjerker, but a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You connected with the characters. It was... It was not like coldly good, like right. some of the movies that we've seen mean. recently, yeah. where it felt like very technical. Yes, exactly. Um, it just felt very uh, melodramatic, but in a good way, like you said. Yeah. I am going to, it since you were debating between eight and or nine. I'll give it a nine because okay. I was debating between eight and nine as well. So there we'll, we go. We'll little balance. balance it out. Yeah. There we go. All right. Let me just tally that up. Um, that is. Yeah, so we have 65 going in. Not bad, you little movie. Not bad at all. And so now for the bonus rounds. Bonus rounds. Let's check out the category of costumes and set. Oh, I did love some of Linda's outfits. <laughs> uh, Again, I, we're we're like kind of judging these 30s movies by like how much we just kind of like 1930s fashion. Fashion, right. Um but, you know, it's not like for most of the characters, the costumes are, you know, pretty uh, rough and tumble type. And uh, I I never I didn't find out where they filmed it, but I assume, you know, California, California. back lots. But it's, it's passable probably for Tijuana. So I'll give it a I'll give it a three, I guess. Three bonus points. Yeah. I am going to give it uh, two bonus points. It's not like a hugely um it's not a hugely costumes and set driven movie. And these are just bonus points. No. You know, we're not penalizing them or anything. It's just that it wasn't part of the <laughs> it just wasn't part of the movie. No. They did a good job. They could have done worse. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Is it's it's a good enough movie where those things really are secondary. You're not like if someone presses you for what you thought of a movie and all you can say is 
all of the costumes were great. That means that means it's a Marie Chevalier movie. It means it's a Marie Chevalier movie. Okay. So how do we feel about boldness? Our next chance for bonus points. I would say for boldness. Um, hmm. I mean, I guess it's pretty bold to have. Uh, I mean, I won't say even guess. It was pretty bold, I think, to present this objectively pretty terrible parenting as at the same time a very loving mm-hmm. parenting that had created a very good little person. But a very good little person who had been forced to grow up more than he should have at that age. So it really does. It makes you think, which I think is a is a bold move. I mean, who wanted to think in the 30s? I don't want to think now. Yeah, it. Um, I'm going to give it. Three points. And it's almost weird because it should it's it shouldn't be that bold, but it was, if that makes sense. Yeah, give me a three two. I'm, I'm taking the two points off because, you know, they did succumb to pressure from the uh, preview audience to at least let Champ win, which probably was a little unrealistic. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the same time, it was so satisfying. So not very bold on that front, but satisfying. So I like that they did that. So I'll give them three. I'm. Yeah, yeah, pretty shameless in my uh, if I like what you did, even if it's probably the cheap way out, I'll give it to you. Yeah, they took the cheap way out and, you know, at the very end. But at the same time, I mean, they could have been cheaper uh, <laughs> throughout the movie and yeah. they didn't. And they didn't give in to the pressure of like having any more moralistic. Um, moralistic judgments. Yes. Of. of uh, Wallsbury's character right right I mean he was just a guy you know it's like we could judge him but what would be the point you know he's doing mm-hmm. he's uh working well within his own capabilities as a passive aggressive uh progress reports used to say when I was in school and stuff like I don't know math and science <laughs> <laughs> well I mean and also they don't make a big show of us like not judging him Yes. So the uh, his ex-wife and her husband, you know, they get Tony especially gets a little bit miffed with them, but it's still like, well, we can't te- take uh, this kid away from you because it's obvious like that that the kid loves you and you love the kid and we're just going to be grown-ups about it. Yeah. I mean, cuz frankly, Linda, you did just leave without even trying to stay in touch with him. There, I don't know. There maybe, is that point. Yeah. I mean, maybe Champ, like she tried over the years and, you know, Champ just stopped, you know, stopped her. But you don't get that sense. You get the sense that she remarried really quickly, had a daughter and kind of forgot she had a son until she saw Dink again. So, right. Right. I mean, and so, you know, OK, Linda's not a very black and white character either. She's not perfect, no, but she's true. not. She's certainly no monster. So pretty bold. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, decent. Decent number of bonus points for being bold. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Legacy. Uh, legacy. How, how did this impact the industry in later movies? Well, I think it helped, like, revitalize. This and Big House helped re- revitalize uh, Beery's career, got him an Oscar. I think it helped put Cooper uh, more on the map. Apparently, you know, he was tied with Shirley Temple as the biggest, you know, child star of the 30s, um, to both their detriment, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so I'd give it, I think I'll give it another three, I guess. Another three? I am going to go ahead and, gosh, I was going to 
I'm still, I'm still going to give it a three, but I'd also like to bring out the point that this was a boxing movie, and boy, have we had a lot of boxing movies come afterwards. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, there it was around this time, I think, that boxing movies became, I wouldn't say a whole genre, but they definitely would, you know, popped up periodically. So I'm sure this this helped that. Yeah, and they, sports movies, too. I feel like it's very much kind of a better version of a lot of sport movies oh yeah it's very much follows the trajectory of the kind of underdog gets back on his feet after you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. being out of the game for a while right and um one movie that it kind of reminded me of in a weird way was uh remember the titans oh yeah yeah and but I thought that the the death and remember of the Titans always bothered me because it felt random, whereas this death was because of a tragic flaw. Who died in Remember the Titans? It's kind of a big thing. Someone dies in a car crash. God, th- it's been years since I saw that movie. I, don't I know. I don't even that. remember the exact <laughs> character, but I remember, I remember everyone being like, oh, that's so sad. And it's like, OK, that's that is emotional manipulation movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. just had someone that we liked randomly die. Um, but in this, we have someone that we love randomly die. And it's because he pushed himself too hard, despite other people telling him he didn't have to. I mean, it's a very tragic death because, you know, he had tried to leave what killed him behind, but it still got him in the end. Because, right. you know, unfortunately, good intentions don't alter years of abusing your body. Like. Sadly, important lesson for us all. Important lesson for us all. As I take another swig of scotch, <laughs> I don't have scotch here. It's fine. Um, and speaking along those lines, longevity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give it a five because five for I, longevity. I, just, I loved watching it. You know, I have to say, a few of these movies have been kind of a chore to get through. This was not. This was fun. I think anybody would really like it today. Yeah, for a melodrama, it did not feel like dated. Mm-mm, no. Which is impressive. I mean, good job. I mean, it's dated in the sense that, holy crap, how has this kid never been to school? And like, <laughs> it's, but, you know, it's under every, you can see why everyone is the way they are. And yeah. it's really, I think, translates well to a modern audience. I would agree. I'm also going to give it five bonus points for that. Okay. And our last uh, category would be technical. I f- was there really much of a technical challenge in this movie? I think this is kind of like costumes and set for me. I mean, I guess they did have some impressive things with, you know, filming the race and the boxing match. But I did feel like some of the lines were a little garbled. I think we did have to put the subtitles oh, on. Oh, that's true. So, you know, I'll give it maybe just a one on good faith. One on good faith. Yeah. It just it wasn't like a technical effects movie. No, like I said, it's and very grounded in character, and those are always my favorite movies. They might not, you know, rate super high in more technical categories, but they score high in the heart. <laughs> the heart technicality. Yeah, I'm also gonna give it a one and um just because it wasn't really that technical of a movie, the sound, like you said, was like garbled in pieces. And um, and they sped up the film for the boxing match because they clearly weren't two professional boxers. Uh, (laughs) I forgot about that. And it's not the most subtle. Uh, So, yeah, technical. Yeah, probably its lowest category. 
Okay. And that gives it a total of 94 points. Good job, guys. Good Let's job, Chip. Just Good briefly job, glimpsing through, that puts it um, about on par with Shanghai Express. A little bit ahead of the front page. Um, let's see how it compares to Skippy. Um, gives it 11 points over... No, 13 points over Skippy. 13 points over Skippy? When Skippy didn't do poorly. Skippy won out of Skippy the official won. nominees. Yeah. Huh. And <laughs> this is so weird. Makes it exactly tied with Broadway musical. You need Broadway melody? Yeah, yeah, the Broadway melody or oh. musical. Uh, well, huh, interesting. Okay. Two very different movies. Two very different movies, I have to say. Um, I think The Champ was better. I do think The Champ was better. Um, I think that was a low point year. Yeah, that was uh, first year of talkies. So there was some awkward, there was some growing growing pains involved there that I think they've uh, smoothed out some of those kinks for for coming movies like this one. But, you know, we we got to ask ourselves a big question, don't we? Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got the points, but does it have what it takes to earn a prestigious Notsker movie award podcast movie award nomination. You know, I was going to say no, but then the preview audience came back. That would be a terrible ending for the podcast. Wallace Beery showed up and harangued you. Harangued me. So yes, I give it the Notsker nomination. It was a very good movie. I would agree. It was, it was a heartfelt movie that um, was very emotional. I know. I know. It's just really sad to think that little Dink is going to grow up to be a murderous candidate for office yeah, in true. a Columbo episode. But, you know, go big or go home. <laughs> OK, and I think that is the episode for us. You can find us on Twitter at Comeback a Star and you can email us if you'd like at Comeback a Star podcast at Gmail dot com. Um, we do have a Facebook page. I don't even think I've posted our most recent episode up, but I will do that. Now that I've talked about it, <laughs> I remembered it, and I'm going to go do that. Sometimes it takes uh, talking about plugging your podcast on your podcast to remember to plug your podcast. So, yeah, I've really fallen down on plugging the podcast. You know, I mean, let, we like to play hard to get here. I, I you guess You really so. have to look for us. <laughs> yeah, but if you've enjoyed this um this podcast, you can help us out by letting your friends know about it, especially yeah. those, those movie buffs in your life. Sharing is caring. And um, if you want to, you know, we do this for us. No, be mean or about it. Do it or just don't ever listen to us again. No, I'm kidding. Please, please listen to us. Please listen to us. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, Thanks a lot, everyone. Thank I'm you, I'm going to draw the curtains and turn off this projector. And... Signing off after 10 rounds. After 10 rounds, and we come up, come out on top, we keel over. It's beautiful, really. Circle of life. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.